Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's Law and Order Marathon winner is Erica Jackson of Harrison, New Jersey. Sorry, felt like I was distracted. This week's Law and Order Marathon winner is Erica Jackson of Harrison, New Jersey. Erica will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Ronald Young Jr. And these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are The Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit, Season 13, Episode 22, Strange Beauty. I'm still trying to... Are we really looking for somebody who pays for the pleasure of amputating women's limbs? Nina wasn't paid, Captain. She was abducted. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcast, Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Kevin. And rounding out our panel is our special guest from the Leaving the Theater podcast. It's Ronald Young Jr. Ronald, welcome back. It is good to be back with you fine folks here at these are their stories. You're enunciating very well. What's that? <laughs> I thought he was just going to come out the gate with I'll never understand white people. I thought uh, that was going to be the first thing you were going to say. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> so, Ron, on your podcast, you do hot takes on movies as soon as you walk out of the theater. I'm wondering which Law & Order actor would you most like to go to the movies with? Ooh, uh... I feel like I always end up saying this, but either uh, either Commander Cragen or mm-hmm. John Munch, because I feel like both of them would give me the type of analysis that I would enjoy. And I feel like uh, Munch would probably give me more than Commander Cragen. I feel like Commander Craig would be like, yeah, it was fine. It was a movie. But I feel like John Munch <laughs> would give me the type of analysis that I would want after walking out of a film. Not anymore. Richard Belzer is looking well, yes, down at okay, you. Obviously, <laughs> smiling. Okay, thank you. <laughs> you were holding that one, Rebecca. I can see. R.I.P. Like, no, not exactly, Ronald. <laughs> Ronald, remind us of all the franchises. Which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite Law and Order detective team. Okay, it's always for me, Munch and Tutuola. 
Nice. Yeah, good pick, solid pick. Yeah. And I'm glad that it ha- you, you haven't been persuaded to do something else. No need. It's the same same two all the time. They're they're necessary. They're a good utility. I like them. They get the job done. And who is your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. Casey Novak. Oh, you're doing the ludicrous impression too, right? Oh, yes, thank you. You re- remember that's that's called reference humor. It's a callback. It's a callback. <laughs> All right, now let's take a look at the first half of this episode, SVU Season 13, Episode 22, Strange Beauty. Stepping out of the bar for some fresh air, Rollins sees a panicked woman shouting for help from the back of a taxi. The medallion number matches the cab stolen in Chelsea yesterday, but the driver's report says he was struck from behind, so he never saw the assailant. The cab turned up about an hour ago, a couple of blocks from the Lincoln Tunnel. CSU's going over it now. And I've got her description into missing persons, but no matches yet. Warner tells Olivia and Amanda that a severed left leg was fished out of the Gowanus Canal. The tattoo on the ankle matches that of Nina, the missing woman. Warner says the leg was healthy when amputated, surgically cut, and traces of an anesthetic called propofol suggest that she was still alive when it was removed. The guy who fished Nina's leg out of the canal says, Why so surprised? I fished a leg out of the canal 13 years ago. Sure enough, Warner still has that limb in a jar. He was also surgically removed, also with traces of propofol. After getting a DNA hit on the old limb, Amaro and Benson talk to a strung-out sex worker who says a guy paid her 25 grand to let him cut it off. When Nina's body is recovered, they see that her ears were modified to be pointed like an elf. A tattoo artist says he fired a guy named Seth who was doing body modifications. Finn and Amanda find nitrous oxide in his loft, laughing gas that came from the office of a cosmetic dentist, Dr. Gene Brightman. Seth has been dating Jess, the receptionist, and he tells the cops that she's the one who's been doing all the Spock years. Going undercover as body modification fetishists, Rollins and Finn track down Jess doing her work. They notice she, too, is missing her left leg, which she has replaced with a peg leg. All right. I'm going to say, before we get into all this, this isn't quite ableist, but it is ableist adjacent. Oh, it's ableist. Ableist. (laughs) Ableist curious, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, I don't think in a lot of ways they're making fun of people with disabilities, but they are certainly leaning into this sort of weird fetish or psychosis about amputation. So there's I don't a, know, right? There is a whole thing about in this episode, and we should just put it out there because like there's a whole thing where the episode makes freaks of people uh, and like people who do body modification, people who, you know, decide that they, you know, are into this. They make some freaks, right? So we should mm-hmm. just put it out there because I am certain that I will make them freaks at some point in this episode too, only because the writers did, not because I actually feel that way, right? Yeah. But there is a whole thing with this episode that it's like it tries to not be ableist, and by trying to not be ableist, it becomes <laughs> ableist in the way that SVU sloppily handles so many things, yeah. right? Yeah, this is like pretty much on brand for this show. Like, in, <laughs> uh, like sitting there watching it, one, I remember a couple things. One, I remember thinking this this episode probably wouldn't be able to be made today. And then the other thing is, I'm like, I'm immediately wondering where this got ripped from the headlines. So I'm very interested. In oh, if- stand by. <laughs> they would okay. still stand make by. it today, though. This is yeah. one that they, I think so? they still would make. Oh, yeah. Oh, know. yeah. Like, I think they would. 
turned my stomach a bit. And I'm, <laughs> I remember actually writing down, uh, this is a body horror episode of <laughs> SVU. And then I said, I hate it. Oh my God, I don't like this episode. I can feel it. And when I say I can oh. feel it, I mean like when you saw the amputations, the way they were like showing them, I'm like, I felt like I could feel the phantom sensation in my own limbs, oh. uh, which are 100% here. So mm. it just was watching it. I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. And I hope that's not ableist. Are we going to be saying that a lot this episode? No. Yeah, I think we okay. can leave it now. All right. Okay. <laughs> Box checked. All right. Me... <laughs> well, we start this episode actually with the most New York thing ever. A guy whose desk is right in front of a giant picture window, and he fails to see a woman grabbed and dragged into a taxi cab, not once looking up from his newspaper. Right. Right. Was that a newspaper <laughs> or was he looking at his phone? I think today definitely would be looking at his phone. Hey, I mean, crosswording or something. Yeah, right? okay. I mean that Wordling. that candy's not going to crush itself. <laughs> he made her go outside to make a phone call to call him inside his cubicle. As we find disrespect, out later. disrespect. <laughs> and then the worst part is, as it's happening, I remember I, I'm like, I know this is television. I know this, but y'all have got to give me something better than him in his peripheral vision not being able to see a struggle happening just outside the window than him just looking down at the phone or whatever else was going on. Like I'm like. Like, come on, man. Like, you can see that girl out there fighting for her life. What's happening here? Man, the, the wordle was so tough that day. It's apathy, Ronald. It's called apathy. Apathy. Ap- yeah. New York brand apathy. That's what You're it's right. called. Mind your own business. Meantime, while this is going on, uh, Nick and Finn are playing pool at a bar, and Amanda rolls in with her captain from her old job in Atlanta. And as soon as the two of them are alone together, the guy makes a pass at her. Immediately. And you know I worry about you. I know how squirrely you can get. I'm fine, Papa Bear. Um, Captain, did you forget you're married? (sighs) Separated. I mean, you can't say we both haven't thought about it. No, you just catch me by surprise right now. How good of a lay is Rollins that people are flying in from out of state for it? <laughs> can we can we say something real quick about Amanda Rollins though? Bring yeah. it on. There's a there's a point in there where I was very confused as to what happened because she looks at him and says, "Papa Bear," in a way in a public place in a way that I'm like, that is not. This is not some term of endearment. She said it like, Papa Bear. I was like, hey, yo, you're trying to holler? So when he went for the kiss, I'm like, oh, yeah, clearly this is one of her exes. And when she was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I met Papa Bear in the most professional of senses. I was completely <laughs> thrown off. But then she said, he's like, it's not like we both haven't thought about it. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, it's just as easy to say, no. I haven't thought about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not once. Oh, you got me. I mean, not because once. clearly she doesn't, she's not into it. But he's like, you she, You could just, is she not, you is she work not in, she's not, she goes outside no. to take a fake phone call. Says, yes, like, th- that's true. <laughs> you work in the sex crimes unit. You can say, no, I haven't thought about it. You've worked with Mariska Hargitay now for like 74 years. Like, this is something that you should be able to say. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be judgy. No, but <laughs> still, guys are like, I'm going to go all the way to New York to try to get it in. Right. It's like. It's like she reminds me of like, is she, is she like Wendy from Porky's where people like wears the condom to the date? I don't know. <laughs> I will say, though, maybe it's her powers Porky's. of observation. You never watch Porky's? I've never seen it. But oh, now great. I, now I feel like I missed something. The shower scene. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't hold up. 
Okay. Uh, she is able to, however, run down a street and read and be on the phone at the same time, though. So she does have powers. While not being out of breath. This is Detective Amanda Rollins. I've got a possible taxi abduction. A white female struggling in the back of Cat Medallion. Yeah. yeah. Good aerobics there. All right. Uh, so Finn and Rollins talk to a guy who found a leg in a canal. You'd be surprised what comes floating by. I found a tiger cage once. A tiger cage. What do you do with this bandsaw? I didn't use it to cut anybody's leg off. See? See? This is why I don't trust the cops. That's why you don't trust the cops? <laughs> <laughs> it's the second amputated limb I found right here. Why are you looking at me like that? Fucking <laughs> blue line. You didn't see his Black Lives Matter sticker on his boat over there? Like, this no. like a, he's one of us, man. He's an ally. <laughs> I like that he clearly had mercury poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> no, he clearly did. <laughs> Remember, they were saying like you shouldn't fish there because it's like a, it's like a, you know, it's a yeah. br- brownfield site or whatever. The yeah. dude clearly had mercury poisoning. He was like the dude from S Town, hundred percent. That dude was. Well, and well, we don't know that the dude from S Town had more mercury. Po- that was a poisoning. theory, though, right? But it was a strong. Yeah. it was very <laughs> strongly presented that he had. Mercury yes. So poisoning. if the fish are, are all filled with mercury, I'm surprised he turned the leg in because he might have been able to get some protein for once. Right. And, oh, no. My all right. Lord. Right. 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 <laughs> uh, Ronald, did you know that when a woman is kidnapped and has her leg forcibly amputated. Uh, <laughs> Look at Ronald's face right now. Yeah, he doesn't like it. I don't know where it's going. <laughs> All right, when a woman is kidnapped and her leg is forcibly amputated, uh, she only has eighty-two percent of the same leg cut off as a man does. <laughs> okay, so I, you know what? You started it, and I, you sucked me in again. And this is the second time you got me. Like nothing will beat the first time you did that joke, but it was a good start. It was a good start. Somebody <laughs> stepped on my delivery again. She only know. needs eighty-two percent of the amount of anesthesia that Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know what it has legs. I'll give it to you. You get another point. <laughs> She's tough. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so, Ronald, did you know that? Always- <laughs> uh, so we have a couple of hey, it's that guy. Hey, it's that guy. Can you tell me the name of the actor playing Doctor Hal Brightman? To the layperson, it sounds bizarre, but. I've seen trauma become sexualized in certain cases. That guy's name is David Engelberg. He played bartender turned firefighter Christopher Herman in 11 seasons of Chicago Fire. Oh, that's Steve. Yeah, he's also the bartender turned firefighter Steve Brady in Sex and the City. Okay, I'm thinking of the other Brightman is the one yeah. I know. Yeah, well, you can keep him in your pocket there. <laughs> this is the brother who is the psychiatrist, right. not the dentist. Uh, let's see. Yeah, so Steve Brady, he was Miranda's husband, who she leaves for Shay Diaz in, and Just Like That. Very popular uh, storyline from what I hear. Yeah. I don't, don't like that, that. storyline at all because yeah. Steve, Steve was in it with her for, I mean, he did cheat, but then- Miranda cheated. So okay, this is now a Sex in the City podcast, but still, like there were I have I have notes about that storyline. Jeez. <laughs> he stuck with her through her run for governor and everything, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Ooh, oh wait, no, you got me. You got me right. <laughs> 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 yeah. So David was in the Marines and he met his wife, uh his army wife at a USO gala. 
So apparently they still have that. The Andrews sisters were there singing Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy, I guess. <laughs> I wow. think that's that Selling war part. bonds. Yeah. Deep uh, so when the, the cast of the movie Sex and the City 2 won the 2010 Razzie Award for Worst Screen Ensemble, he accepted the award on behalf of the entire cast. Hmm. as Just because he's a good sport about it. By the way, Chris Noth did not find it funny. Surprise. I bet he didn't. What a jerk. He did it. <laughs> Can you now tell me who is playing the role of Dr. Jean Brightman? I know this violates confidentiality, but she was a patient of my brother's for a long time. She was a troubled girl. He was the one who asked me to give her a job to help her out. I don't know his name, but I know where I know him from. Eyebrows McGee. Tell me where you know him from. He's the comedian dude in Mad Men that Don punched in the face. <laughs> That's where I know him from. Yes. Remember Don had sex with his wife? He was in Mad Men. He was a comedian. He had start the he was in commercials, and then Don had an affair with his wife, and then they were at a club, and Don punched him in the face. That's where I know him from. Wait, Don wow. at, slept with his wife and then punched him in the face? I believe so. Yeah, he was like Jimmy, the, the Jimmy, what's his face in Mad Men? I don't recall that. That's <laughs> what where I know entitlement from. that Don Draper had on that show. I know. Well, that's Don, man. You know how yeah. Don Draper is. Well, his yeah. name is Patrick Fischler. He was also in the TV remake of The Right Stuff, and he was Smoothie in Chris Maloney's failed comedy Happy. Hmm. He was also on Lost yep. as Phil, a security officer for the Dharma Initiative. And he had roles in A Friend of the Family, American Crime Story, Twin Peaks, and Once Upon a Time. He was born to be a bad guy. Yeah, or at least yeah. some sort of creeper. He was born, and his mom like looked at him in his baby face and was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> this one's going to be a character actor. <laughs> this one, I don't know. <laughs> Lock the cabinets. She's like, let's try again. <laughs> try again. <laughs> Well, I think they did. There is a famous celebrity haunt in Santa Monica called Patrick's Roadhouse. His father owned it and named it after him. Uh, it was Arnold Schwarzenegger's favorite place to eat. His mother would show up and they would she her Schwarzenegger's mother would go in the kitchen and start making stuff. All sorts of celebrities would go there. One day, uh, Schwarzenegger was eating breakfast and the chair he sat into shattered beneath him. So he commissioned an iron chair. An iron chair, which is still in the roadhouse. Wow. Uh, and then he killed Joffrey. <laughs> <laughs> we have a Hey, It's That Girl. Hey, it's that girl. Who's the actress playing Jess Hardwick? I don't know, the cute one? The one with the... Uh... Listen, I'm not going to be ableist right. and point out that she has a peg leg, Yeah, Kevin. she's cute. She's cute. <laughs> the one dressed in the pirate girl outfit? <laughs> yes. Sexy Captain Hook? Yeah. Yes. I help people achieve their own perception of beauty. It's a vision of their true selves. That is Britt Lower. She's had uh, series roles in Unforgettable, Man Seeking Woman, but she's getting all the love right now for her role in Severance as Helly, the oh woman who oh, doesn't want to work that's in Hallie? the basement with all of her memory and a non-work life surgically removed from her brain, and she likes to find chance. Kevin, way to bury the lead. No shit. <laughs> way no to bury one, the like, lead. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Incredible. Yes, and of course now I see it, but and I didn't see and it And that red hair makes a, quite a bit of difference. It does. It yeah. does. She's yeah. great. She's great in Severance. Severance, great her. show. It's supposed to come back soon. I'm ready. A brick left that office and joined the circus, literally. In between seasons of Severance, she joined the Circus Flora in St. Louis for one month. Among the clowns and acrobats, she sang, 
performed and played the ukulele. What? That was that was her uh, off season gig. Some people go make a movie. She would she joined the circuit. But you know, if she's one of those method actors, she could be one of those things where she's like trying this out to have more experiences so that she's able to empathize with the character that she plays in the future. Which always yeah. feels like a it just feels like a lot to undergo for people who might never win Oscars. Like Daniel Day Lewis being a cobbler for a year. <laughs> <laughs> so her mother runs what's described as a quote prominent face painting business. Uh, I don't know how one obtains prominence in that field, but mom runs the zoo crew and can paint up to 35. Oh, she's in the zoo crew? She is. Wait, I think it might be a different zoo crew. Nope, never heard of it. You never heard of it. The zoo crew, uh, they can paint up to 35 intricate tiger faces in 60 minutes, thrilling patrons in central Ohio for more than 10 years. Wow. Wow. Mazel tov. it down in Toledo. I think Carol Baskin got them shut down, though, right? She did, yes. (laughs) Wouldn't be surprised. Got to rescue those big cats. Yeah, they're all little cat faces. (laughs) Did you recognize who's playing Seth Moritz? Yes. Who is it? That was that dude from American Idol. Um, what's his face uh, with the one name? He's got one name. Sanjaya? Uh, I wrote it. No, no, no. I wrote it down. It's the Zendaya. One- no, no. I wrote Cher? it. Constantine. What do you care about that? Seriously, I didn't know dentists qualified as special victims. Constantine. Constantine Morales. <laughs> yes. Wow. No. Uh, you'll remember him as the breakout. But big time loser on season four of American Idol. He came in sixth place. And he later formed a record company called Six Place Records. <laughs> no, really? Yeah, yeah. No! <laughs> How Do they have any hits? Any hits? Uh, I don't think so. Hmm. Otherwise, you would have known more about him, I think. Uh, he was actually, at the time he joined the, the cast of American Idol, he was in a band called Pray for the Soul of Betty. Hmm. There's a band name. Yeah. His talent, though, is too big to be contained to just one tribute band so he plays in a band he's the lead singer for foreigners journey wow wait yeah he's did they do foreigner songs and journey songs okay (laughs) that's what i thought i was like ah that is i don't like that (laughs) it's like stings (laughs) police no 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 that's not gonna make sense i was gonna say it's like stings police but the police are stings aren't they (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like elton joel there we go thank you yeah i I couldn't get it (laughs) yeah In July 2009, uh, Constantine took part in setting a new Guinness World Record for the largest air guitar ensemble. 810 participants. Party on, Garth. Congratulations. Yeah, that's a great one. Also, in 2015, he was featured in a commercial campaign for Lazy Boy Furniture, playing Brooke Shields' fictional Greek lover. And by Greek lover, they mean his family is from Greece. Okay. Not the way Ronald was thinking. Okay, hold on. <laughs> I don't even I don't even know what that means, but I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I'll, I'll text you a photo later. No, please don't. Uh, <laughs> it's the love that shall not mention its name. Okay. <laughs> Did anyone spot the guy playing rooftop lover Pablo? She's like to cause trouble. Like one time we had this club, started coming on three dudes just to bait me into a fight with him. <laughs> Good time. No, but I love that guy. Yeah, his name is Alex Hernandez. He was Owen, the sexy firefighter, one of the contestants on season three of Unreal. Oh, you yeah. You love that show, I right? I did. I like the first season a lot. Yeah, and he's currently in the prime sci-fi series, The Peripheral. I actually like that show. He's a, he's a prominent video game voice actor. 
I think you know how you get prominence in that field. So you have to know a good face painter. Uh, he is the <laughs> lead character. Hey. What? That's rough. Don't diss that field. That's a prominent field. Okay. Yeah. I mean, especially in central Ohio. South, <laughs> yeah. central, South central Ohio. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So he is the lead actor in the video games Mafia 3 and Mafia 3 Faster Baby and Mafia 3 Stones Unturned and Mafia 3 Sign of the Times. If I'm keeping count, like we're up to Mafia Six, right? Why is it Mafia <laughs> Mafia Three? Those are breakoffs. Those are uh, not breakoffs. Oh. Those are expansion packs. That's what they are. As a gamer, that's how they get you to pay for the same sequel over and over again without actually making a new iteration of the game by just paying you for uh, making you pay for updates over and over. Right. Again. It's very annoying. That's how they get you to marry a new lizard lady in Skyrim, uh. a different lizard lady in the same version of uh. Skyrim. Well, thanks, nerds. Um. <laughs> 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 Lastly, who's the dude playing the attorney? What attorney? The attorney for uh, Dr. Seth. Oh, he was like, a, like not the, sitting Seth, there Dr. not saying yeah. anything? He had yeah, one he line. In it. He had one line. Here it is. Okay, but this cannot be a matter of public record. Outing my client could seriously damage his practice. His name is Tony Campisi, 16, Law and Order Universe appearances. He'll make four more in SVU before they finally give his character a name. Attorney, whatever. He is the former Mr. Kathy Bates. Really? Yeah. Ooh, that's interesting. He was at her side when she won the Academy Award for Misery. Wow. And it might have been a pretty bad breakup because she called him a cock a duty head and smashed his ankles with a sledgehammer. <laughs> <laughs> so Warner comes up big yet again at the mention of a severed leg from 10 plus years ago. Melinda says, Hey, I got that foot right here. And it is in a jar the size of one of those loose pistachio dispensers at Whole Foods. Yes. Right? Yes. It looks like an, up, like an upside-down um, uh, umbrella case. Or you know something. what yeah. it looked like? What? You know when you go to the deli, like in a gro big grocery store, and they have those giant pickles, and you're like, who buys those? <laughs> like the big ones that are like 12, 15 inches long? It looked like that to me. It looked like that to me. It's it brought up to me. It looked like someone took a, a a nylon stocking and filled it with mayonnaise. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still thinking about the loose pistachios at Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about the other leg, though. The other one. The other one. The one on the table that looked like a Christmas ham from Tom and Jerry. Nah. I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> with the big red severed end with the bone in the middle, like yeah. It legit looked like you know what I'm talking about, Ronald. Like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like it looks like a like a classic ham. And Tom and Jerry when they would show like the cornucopia of food on the table, uh, yeah. and I was like, that looks like the Christmas ham from Tom and Jerry. It's yeah. disgusting. <laughs> but usually the Christmas ham is boneless. <laughs> By the way, the uh, Amaro calls. He gets this call and he says, "Ah, there's a DNA hit on the leg." What are we looking at? I have no idea. It just got weirder. Crime lab got a DNA hit. It's like, just now? You've had this for a decade? You're just checking the DNA now? Yes. It's like, oh shit, somebody, well, I was supposed to do that for somebody. I guess someone did get the pickle after That's right. I was, <laughs> I was supposed to return Briscoe's call back in 2001. <laughs> shit, I hope he's still around. It's like, uh-oh, that number's been disconnected. What am I going to do with this leg? By the way, why are they calling his cell phone? He's in the fucking lab. Yeah. It's like, why? The reception's really good in here. By the way, for some reason, they already had the DNA of Lisa, 
The sex worker who was so strung out in 2001 that she let a guy cut off her leg for $25,000. Alisa, by the way, will go down in pop culture history as our second favorite one-legged prostitute next to the French girl that Jack likes to draw in Titanic. Oh. (laughs) It's a deep cut, right? It's a very deep cut, yeah. So when they find Nina's body, they discovered that she had her ears modified. It's a record of her journey into body modification. How does that track with her leg being forcibly amputated? Well, that's your job. That's your job. (laughs) Amen, sister. You've been doing all the heavy lifting all these years. (laughs) Like, let them get the fuck out there and figure it out themselves. Melinda was like, what do I work here? (laughs) It's like, I don't know. I've seen enough crazy shit for one day. Yeah. You're an elite squad. Do some detectiving. Melinda's like, my job is to do the science, not to actually catch bad guys. Yeah, we don't do any deduction here. Yeah, Yeah. I'm here to exclude people as well as to include them. Like, I'm a scientist. Man, I got legs backed up from the 80s I got to get to. Come on. (laughs) Nobody questioned why she had that leg uh, in a jar in her office. Like, nobody was like, hey, um, why are you holding on to this? It's it's been a decade. Like, you don't need this. (laughs) Like, Melinda, don't you have a paperweight that looks an awful lot like, yeah, all this time. She feels it just to, to, for her inbound faxes. Be like, oh yeah, here it yeah. is. To be like, yeah, this is where I keep all the uh, my accounts receivable, right beneath, beneath this giant Shut tube up. of. I thought of, it was yeah. a pickle, though. I really am not a pickle. <laughs> my God. So they swoop into Seth's place, and he says, "Hey, I don't I mess, mess with people's ears, except with my music." <laughs> yes, I've heard your version of Hot Blooded. So that's a team. Thank you very much. My ears have been. Does officially it, hurt. I'm sorry. Does anybody believe for a second that that dude is dating Jess, the super hot uh, receptionist slash ear modifier? Does no. any would anybody believe for a second? She likes bad boys. That sloppy ass dude. That squirrely ass dude. He is tall, and I feel like I've seen a lot of women date some tall, goofy looking men just because <laughs> they're tall. Mm. So yeah, you'd be surprised is all I'm saying. I'm I'm ranking him. There's like two boyfriends we see in this like era of the show. Yeah. There's Seth, squirrely, nasty Seth. And there's the dude who apparently does nothing except fuck on a roof with his pigeons. <laughs> and I'm ranking <laughs> Seth below the dude who fucks on a roof with his pigeons. I'm just calling it right now. I'm calling Listen, it right now. Just imagine, imagine the type of prowess that you would need or type of reputation would need procedure to convince someone to come have sex with you next to a pigeon coop on a roof. <laughs> in the That's all I'm saying. Because so. that shit stinks. You know yeah. that is terrible. Yeah. That is the second worst fetish in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so the lead on Jess is that she may be at an event at Coney Island and I think like we should be hearing Stefan from Weekend Update talking about that it's like <laughs> yes Coney Island's hottest club is Freak Show. This place has everything. Contortionists, <laughs> fire eaters, men with plastic wings sticking out of their shoulders. <laughs> There's a box truck in the back where you can get goblin ears from a woman with a peg leg. <laughs> That's spot on, Kevin. That's spot on. There's also stadium seating. Like, why yeah. is there stadium seating? Why are people sitting on the stadium seating? Well, I think it's, it's Coney Island, so maybe like during the day they have like cat normal things uh, yeah acrobatics or something like that's that. normal also no one in this club looks like they're having any fun at all do you guys notice like the grimness 
Yeah. Like there's, there's there's no like fun orgy situation. There's no laughing. There's no dancing. It's just everyone looks grim as fuck. And very dour. Like, I would yes. describe it. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, look at that freak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who does not like a good Finn Rollins undercover outing? I love, I love it. it. Yeah. They're <laughs> looking for Jess, right? And and Rollins is chatting up this woman with the pinned ears. Uh, who did on? Go see Jess. She's working tonight. Cash only. Like 600 bucks, baby. Anything you want, boo. You know I got you. <laughs> mm. She's in the truck out back. Great. And my man can come, right? He likes to watch. Jess is cool with that. I, lo- I love that. I love that. That is the them. best. It's like two of my favorite scenes in the show. Oh, are... he's, he's old enough to be your dad, but everyone's yeah. like, I'm down. It's We're a freak show. She's older than you think she is. Two of my favorite scenes in this show are <laughs> like, this Rebecca. scene. <laughs> yeah, she is. She is. She was on She was on All My Children fucking forever before she was on this oh, show. Yeah. So yeah. two of my favorite scenes are this one and the one where they go to like the freaky water tower party. Oh, yeah. And climb up the ladder and like she, he's afraid he can't go up the ladder because he's old and shit. <laughs> I love it when they go on fake dates together. It's way better than the Olivia Elliott fake dates. The Finn and Rollins fake dates. Mm. Way better. Hotter, better. The one thing I do want to point out with uh, with Finn is that whenever he tries to play a normal person, it like his iced tea ness comes forward so much <laughs> that I start to it's like starts to break my mind, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is a rapper trying to be a cop. <laughs> like all of a sudden, like the Matrix like blurs for a second, and I'm That's like, right. this doesn't make sense at all. That's right. <laughs> and then you remember his rap career, Correct. and all of the songs that he performed. <laughs> Does it rapper immediately? Correct. I'm like, now you're in propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, Rollins and Finn's yes and game is pretty good. I love it. Yeah, yeah 100%. I love it, baby. He likes to watch. Yeah, it's like, hey, can my man watch? He's like, sure, he can. But I think Finn and Rollins have a different idea about what pegging is. <laughs> <laughs> Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Well, let's take a look at the second half of this episode. Jess tells Benson and Finn that she lost her leg to bone cancer as a teen and that she does cosmetic body modifications for clients but draws the line at amputations. You see yourself as helping people be the architects of their own body. Exactly. I thought that's what gyms are for, not blades and syringes. Plastic surgeons change people's appearance every day. Facelifts, nose jobs, breast implants. Except they have medical licenses and you don't. And they buy their equipment, not steal it like you do. As a dentist, Dr. Gene Brightman would have no use for a surgical-grade anesthetic. The Drug Control Database says that over the past five years, his brother, Dr. Hal Brighton, has placed orders for propofol. But Hal is a psychiatrist who believes that someone stole his prescription pad to use the drug recreationally. Dr. Hal tells Nick and Olivia he knows Jess because... 
She works at his brother's practice, and Jean would have had access to his pad at their late mother's country house. When the detectives confront Jean, he says he doesn't know Nina, and he has an alibi. He was with his secret gay lover in Sag Harbor. He also tells Benson and Amaro that their mother lost her leg in a car accident when they were young, and Jess was a patient of his brother's since before she lost her own leg to cancer. Jess says Hal saw Nina and her elf years when they both visited Jean's office at the same time. They figure out that Jess lost her leg around the same time as the prostitute, which may not have been a coincidence. Thinking Benson and Rollins are targeting his brother, Hal explains that Jean may have developed a sexual fixation after their mother's accident, in which she lost her beauty, and those desires may have been rekindled by teenage Jess. But... As every accusation is really a confession, they get him to admit he's the one with the fixation. Hal says he abducted Nina and tried to improve her by cutting off her leg, but she never woke up from the anesthesia. He takes Liv and Amanda to the storage facility where he set up an operating room complete with framed before and after photographs of a half dozen women he improved with amputation. Oh, right. Well, what? (laughs) I didn't like it. I'll tell you, there's one thing I've always said about SVU, and it's they don't have enough special effects. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like it. Ronald doesn't like it. It just, it was like the one, this was probably the one time when I was like watching it. I'm like, okay, one, I remember watching this episode before and being like, ugh. And it was completely gone from my memory. I had not thought about it uh, like in years since it, had, <laughs> since it had aired until Kevin emailed me and said, hey, you want to hear about this bonkers episode of SVU? And I started watching it and I was like, oh yeah. It's this one. And at that same part where he shows the pictures on the wall, I'm just like, this is just, I know this is network television and they're not showing us anything, but I'm just like, my mind is completing the images and being like, oh, and like having the screams of horror and the blood go everywhere. And the fact that Nina didn't wake up, it was just like, oh, especially with the pictures. And then, and then the cops are in the background. Sorry, I'm, I'm monologuing now. The no, cops go ahead, are, yeah. in, are in the background, like standing there. You can see this one black cop just kind of like shaking his head in disgust. <laughs> And I'm just like, yeah, that's me. That's me right there. That's like, you sick son of a bitch. This is disgusting. Finn's not the only one who doesn't understand white people. Exactly. Yes, that's, yes, it all came to a head right then. I'll never understand white people. But back to the special effects that, yes. you know, they always love to have on SVU. Uh, they do a very good job digitally removing the lower part of Brit Lower's leg. Not such a great job removing the shadow. Really? Yeah. Ooh. On the floor, it's like, oh, is she a four? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Rebecca, you'll understand why she only got two and a half stars on Wiki Feet, right? Oh, boy, Kevin. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Cragen wants to know where the propofol came from. So he tells the detectives to check the controlled substance database. Uh, the anesthetic is not a controlled substance and wouldn't be on that list. Also, they say Dr. Gene was prescribing OxyContin after dental surgery. No, he'd be prescribing OxyCodone. So, again, great job, research. (laughs) I got to say, there are so many, like, old school hangups expressed by people in this episode that seem... What year was this episode made? Like, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, It would have been 2012. Right. In this episode, we have a mother who's like, my daughter got tattoos and piercings. I don't even know her anymore. 
And then we have a dentist who's like, don't tell anyone I'm gay. And then we have Cragen who's like, what kind of freak would want to be with somebody with one leg? And I'm like, what the fuck is the matter with everyone in this episode? (laughs) This is not 1840. I do not understand. It's called dramatic tension. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of, just saying a lot of hangups, a lot of hangups that I just seem a little discordant with the times. And even, especially when Warner at one point points out that like, Kindergarten teachers have tattoos. Everyone calm the fuck down. Yeah. 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 When she said that, it was like it kind of put it in perspective. But when they started going down, she started talking about, but she kind of like has a hang up too, because she starts talking about gauges. And I'm it like, is. well, gauges are pretty standard now. Like I see gauges a lot, like more often now than I did then. Kindergarten but I feel teachers like, have them. Yeah. But if that's what I'm saying, if, if this happened were made in 2023, she would have been like, kindergarten teachers have tattoos and gauges now. Because right. I'm like, I've seen gauges on like everyone right now, that's you know? That's true. Although you have to understand, I know you're a lot younger than we are, Ronald. When we were growing up, our parents literally told us we would be unemployable if we got a tattoo anywhere. That was a thing. Well, there was that one. <laughs> How are they going to see was- it? <laughs> Take your shirt off, sir. <laughs> if you want to work here at Smith and West or whatever, you're going to take your shirt off so we can get a, a good Hewlett look at Packard. <laughs> yeah, Hewlett Packard. I was in the Navy. I'm a veteran, like Popeye. <laughs> By the way, there was one incredible clue as to who the killer was that everybody missed. I didn't miss it. In Doctor Howe's office, he had Venus De Milo. <laughs> I didn't miss it. I didn't miss it. I also didn't miss the fact that he could not look them in the eye during the first interview of his uh, with the police. Did you notice that? Yeah. Look him in the eye. Y'all got to explain Venus DeMilo to me. What's that? It's the statue of the of the woman. No arms with the no legs. Okay. Yes. 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 Okay. Okay. I get it. Yes. If you find it plausible that a box truck can be fully equipped with lights, a procedure chair, and sterilized equipment so people can make goblin ears, you'll have no problem with Dr. Howe's exam room of horrors inside a storage locker. Right. None of them felt any pain. I kept them under while they were here. You took every precaution. See that? Didn't want them to suffer. This is a recurring theme. When you need a bat cave to do your evil stuff, apparently just get a storage locker in New York because they have all the accoutrements you need to kidnap women or perform odd surgeries on them. Where are they getting power from? Like, yeah. where, where are they getting? I don't know. I've been in one of those. They don't run power to those things. I Well, I don't know. There's like usually like shipping containers, right? Yeah. They're like shipping container style ones. And there is that one horrible one where they find that woman in the drawer. Remember yeah, that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're creepy as fuck. And these guys like really like trick them out. This one was very clean and yeah. white. Well, it was sterile. It's the sterile environment. If you're going to do surgery, you got to. Yeah. 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 He had this clean. very like HGTV quote, light and bright like kind of situation. Yeah. Well, yeah. he had on the wall framed poster sized before and after photos of all the women whose legs he's amputated. Yes. And all the afters are taken like high above, like from a bed looking down, which by the way, there's no where there's no bed in that thing. Where but, was that? Yeah. But he has these beautiful models, perfectly clean sheets. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all looking happy. Lingerie. Yeah. Lingerie, all white, all perfect. They definitely look like before and after models. It's like, I lost 18 pounds. Ask me how. That is dark. But they're also healed. So, yeah. I'm like, you got them to come back? Oh, yeah. Like, you they wanted it. 
They didn't like that. You got him to come back like a year later and take a, this like glamour shot like at the mall. How do you get them to do that? You put the camera back on that black cop because I'm shaking my head right now. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was just mystifying to me at that point. <laughs> One thing that's really great is that Dr. Hal mm-hmm. does tell Amanda and Olivia that they're boring. Yes. I can look at women and know how beautiful and powerful they can be like you two you think you're special you're boring but you could be so much more he's not 100 percent wrong when it it's comes true. to amanda rollins and she's boring he's not 100 percent wrong i don't know she apparently she's got a magic box that everybody wants to get into <laughs> fly from atlanta yeah too <laughs> yeah but i did i i will say the sort of like your basic speech yeah look Amanda doesn't need to have a leg amputated. She needs to have a second vagina installed. Because <laughs> apparently she's just getting so much. Where would they install it, Kevin? Well, it's it? either... Ron, Under gotta, those bangs. It's oh either either got to put it God. side by side or one on top of the other. Yeah. So I don't... Well, what do you think? In her storage this has become a, This has become a, uh, that... What's that movie? Crimes of the, Bo- Crimes of the Future. This has become a, about Crimes of the Future. This is the body modification has gone too far. Yeah, if we ever... If ever we needed a good, that's messed up. Yeah. It would have been this episode. <laughs> it was this one. Yeah. By the way, you're looking at all those photos. You got to wonder, uh, how many legs are in that canal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Well, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Rip from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the Headlines. This episode takes some cues from the real-life story of Dr. John Ronald Brown. After two decades as a general practitioner, Brown studied to be a plastic surgeon, but failed the oral exam. In the 1970s, he set up a clinic in San Francisco and performed hundreds of gender-affirming surgeries, far more than most hospitals did at the time. Brown would operate in his office, in motel rooms, and even in his garage. Many of his transgender patients complained about the outcome, developed serious infections, and he earned the nickname Butcher Brown in the trans community. After the death of a patient, his California medical license was revoked in 1977, but Brown resumed his practice in Tijuana. In 1998, he amputated the leg of Philip Bondi, a 79-year-old man who suffered from body integrity identity disorder. Brown failed to properly close the stump and gangrene set in. Bondi was discovered the next day dead in a California hotel room. A search of Brown's home turned up bloody towels, surgical instruments and videotapes of his operations. Prosecutors charged him with second-degree murder and he was sentenced to 15 years to life in prison. In 2010, John Ronald Brown contracted the antibiotic-resistant strain of pneumonia and died aged 87. 
All right, let's note that in the U.S. there are currently uh, more than 2 million people living with limb loss. The majority lose a limb because of vascular disease like diabetes. The next leading cause is trauma. We have a lot of war veterans. But this is a far way off from removing a healthy limb. Yes. So let's get into this. Videotaping your illegal medical procedures is not a good idea. No. What, All right. Do we need to unpack that? No, we actually we don't. We don't. Brown had a way to help patients who couldn't afford his surgeries because it cost it cost what? The surgeries cost what? What? They cost what? Oh my god, no, we're not doing that. No, don't do it. No? Don't do it, no, Rebecca. It, don't give it to him. <laughs> what did they cost? Think about Rebecca, it. Rebecca, don't do it. No, don't do it. No, they cost two thousand five hundred dollars uh, for it. <laughs> Wait, no. Now I want her to know because I feel like now she missed it. <laughs> I missed it. Cost an arm and a leg. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that was great watching Rebecca's face with anticipation. Like, cost what? What? I didn't understand the <laughs> gears were turning. I'm they sorry. Were turning. I, you teed it up, and I did not get it. I'm no. sorry. Uh, I didn't want to give yeah. it to him. You <laughs> choked. I did. He was so pleased. <laughs> so Dr. Brown, for gender re- reassignment, he had two-for-one specials. Oh, no. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, bring a friend. No. Yep. yep. No. Yeah. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem, you know, though. That's kind of progressive, though, isn't it? No, it's progressive if the person is good and, like, and, like, all above board and great and you're just making it cheaper and the healthcare system is actually getting better. That is not this. <laughs> that is not what this is. Yeah. If you're doing it in a motel room with like yeah. shitty cleanliness. And and one of the things though is that his surgery was really, really bad. He it wasn't just like he was doing what at the time they called the sex change. It wasn't like just that he was removing a penis and doing a vaginal plasty. He was just, they would say, cutting people like Ken dolls. Oh, they oh, would no. just slice off and that the, the incisions weren't straight and they were sutured wrong and people were getting infected. This is why he lost his medical license. So he's like Dr. Death. Yeah, but it's like the state of transgender medicine in the 1970s, right? There were only a few hospitals that would do it. But you also had to go, there were like, before that, very stringent mental health screenings. and So a lot of people could not get it. So it was the dilemma for many patients. They either be denied care from a world-class surgeon to live your true life or go to Mexico and get a rough penile amputation from an unlicensed surgeon. Not good choices. This is my least enjoyable episode of These Are Their Stories by far. This is these are this is so graphic and I feel it when you talk about it. I feel it as if it's happening to me. I don't know why. It's just a thing. Like <laughs> uh, Dr. Brown had another way for people to afford their surgeries. He would let the patients work as unlicensed medical assistants to barter for the surgical costs. Come on, man. Shut <laughs> So again, again. This is one of those things where <laughs> in a perfect world <laughs> yeah. with a like really talented surgeon who was working like in a state where maybe they were like oppressing people 
and like whatever, you'd be like, you go, you find a way, you like buck the system, mm-hmm. you like help people out. You mean like Texas? This is not that. This is not that. <laughs> not that. Yeah, no, like a Doctors Without Borders situation. No, this, this dude is needed not a border. That. This dude needed a boundary. That's what he needed. Exactly. <laughs> he needed exactly. So Philip Bondi was seeking psychological treatment from for his body integrity identity disorder. He traveled to see Brown with Dr. Greg Firth, a psychologist who also suffered from BIID. They both wanted to have their legs amputated. Usually people have this this disorder. What they do is they end up blinding themselves. So uh, amputating a live limb is, you know, even within that group, it's a smaller percentage. But they both wanted the legs amputated. But Dr. Firth backed out at the last minute when he saw the assistant carrying a large knife. What? That's when shit got real. What? Not a saw, just a fucking knife. Yeah, but do you know what, what, as soon as we walked in there, let's say I'm with my boy, right? We going to get some two for one surgery (laughs) from a back back alley doctor somewhere. (laughs) Like if we went in there and I saw the knife, that would make it real for me too. I I don't, I don't besmirch this dude. If it was enough for him to quit, he's probably still alive. You want to see the needle at the dentist, you know, you're not. This is all not for Ronald's. Not for (laughs) Ronald's. Now we know where Ronald's triggers are. We now know. So when police searched his basement, they found his tools, anesthesia, and hundreds of tubes of super glue. I don't care how much super glue you have, that leg is not going back on. <laughs> uh, that is going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Ronald Young Jr. Ronald, where can our listeners follow you online? Ugh. All right. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Oh, It's Big Ron. That's at O H I T S. B-I-G-R-O-N. Subscribe and listen to Leave it to Theater. Wait for it. Coming soon. And Rebecca Lavoie, how can our listeners follow you? <clears throat> at Reb Lavoie. And you can forget me. You can also tweet to us at Law & Order Pod <laughs> or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader, Masai Freider. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy, Lily Flynn, handles promotions. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for Criticism and Commentary. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Space St. Louis, Mississippi Studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media.